Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Inclusive Storytelling Podcast. I'm your host, Ashwini Prasad, and today we are speaking with Kalki Shubriyam, who is a transgender rights activist, artist, actress, writer, inspirational speaker, and entrepreneur. She is absolutely amazing. She opened the first school for transgender students in India, and her newest book, We Are Not the Others, launched on June 30th in 2021. So thanks again so much for being here. Please leave a review, download, or share these episodes if you're enjoying them. In addition, I'm an anti-oppression, anti-racism educator and consultant. And if I can support you or your organizations to create safe spaces in your social justice work, feel free to connect. And let's see if we can create some safe spaces together. Feel free to connect with me at theinclusivescreenwriter.com or on Instagram at theinclusivescreenwriter. Let's take a listen to Kalki. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Inclusive Storytelling Podcast. I'm your host, Ashwini Prasad, and today I have the wonderful Kalki. Kalki, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Ashwini, for inviting me. I'm so glad and happy to be interviewed by you. Oh, it's such a pleasure. So, Kalki, I do this with all my guests. Go ahead and introduce yourself. We want to hear and know more about who you are and those that are able to see the video. We have an awesome background that Kalki has. But tell our audio folks as well what is behind you and who you are, and then we'll jump into this conversation. Behind me is the transgender flag that is used by the transgender community all across the world. It basically represents equality. It basically represents inclusiveness and the male and female as well as the transition. It it, it has so many beautiful meanings. That's my background. Talking about me, my name is Kalki Subramaniam. I'm actually, I was born in a very small but very beautiful town in India in the southernmost state, Tamil Nadu, in a beautiful small town called Polachi. So I grew up here, I was born here, grew up here, and uh, I did my education as well in this city, in this uh, state. I've done two master's degrees, um, one in uh, journalism and mass communication and other one in international relations. For the past 15 years, I've been running an organization called Sahodari Foundation, which works for the social, political, and economic empowerment of the transgender people of India. Besides that, I'm a painter, I'm a poet, I'm an actor and performance artist, and I'm a transgender woman. Wonderful, wonderful. And you were noting to me before we started recording that you have been in movies in the Tamil Nadu scene, so that's amazing. Yeah. I've done quite a few movies and uh, acting is not really my cup of tea, but I do have a, I believe I do have a great talent in acting. When there is a good opportunity, I always pick it up and do it. It's more of, uh, I, I want to make films rather than act in films. Oh, yeah. You get to the point where you want to do that, right? You've done enough and you're like, okay, what's behind the scenes? I love it. I love it. Well, let's talk more about your organization. You know, um, how did it start and what it is about and where do you see it going? Sahodri Foundation was actually started in 2007. But even before that, uh, we have been doing a lot of work. Uh, I and my friends, we have been doing a lot of work. So basically, I started the foundation in 2007. And since then, we have been doing a lot of work, especially working both ways, working with the public as well as working with the transgender community. 
working with the public, insensitizing the public, the media, the government officials, policymakers, creating favorable policy, especially working with the judiciary, uh, lobbying with them, advocating for uh, equality and justice, and especially in uh, framing laws and acts for uh, favorable for our community, which particularly protecting against uh, violence and discrimination and all that. Besides that, I, as an activist, I have been working with so many academic institutions. For past 10, 15 years, I have sensitized more than a million students in India. I've seen uh, one generation to the other changing. Wow. And I've seen great results as well, you know. Mm -hmm. What is 15 years ago for trans people is not today. Today, there's a lot of tolerance in the country. So on that positive note, I think I'm very proud of what I've done. So, no, that's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I, so you use the word tolerance, and I kind of picked up on that. Do you think it's yeah. tolerance, or do you think it's acceptance of transgender folks? It is first comes the tolerance, and definitely followed by that should be the acceptance. That is what I I mean when I say tolerance. You know, mm -hmm. you acknowledge the space of someone, and that is the tolerance, and then you accept them totally unconditionally and that is what is acceptance and inclusivity and human love right right oh i love that human love so you know, help me understand kind of growing up did you feel like there was uh this tolerance acceptance of the transgender community in india or has it been something that you're saying that has gotten better especially in the last 15 years you see, there is uh, India is uh, has always been an inclusive country, but after the arrival of the British and their colonial rule and the Victorian morality and all that, a lot has changed. Especially the law, particularly Section three seventy seven of the Indian Penal Code, that actually criminalized same sex relationship. And in eighteen seventy two or I should say 1875, I think so. The Criminal Tribes Act, which was imposed, which actually listed the transgender community as well uh, as a criminal tribes, a born criminal. Because of these uh, acts by the British, these laws that were imposed by the British, even two centuries ago, these were some of the reasons for the downfall of the transgender hijra community mm. in India. And till today, it has a huge impact on our lives. What was done 200 years ago was, has a huge impact on our lives. But before that, I would say we did have our own space in, in, in our ancient India. If you look at Mahabharata and Ramayana, definitely we have evidences on that. Even Arjuna, when being cursed uh, to be a transgender, he, he wasn't begging, he wasn't doing sex work. He was working as a martial arts teacher and a dance teacher to a princess in a palace. So in that way, I think um, India is changing and we are changing India. Oh, wonderful. And I love that you brought up the religious text, the Ramayana Marbata, because when I, you know, when I listen and I hear about all the stories, I'm like, gosh, there's a lot of intersex people, stories about them, and there's definitely transgender. And so just, I have this like cognitive dissonance between our histories and our ancient traditions and what's happening right now in the laws, as you mentioned, it just makes zero sense. 
because my understanding is that within at least the religious text and what was been taught, there was a lot of acceptance of many types of people, not just this binary of man, woman, or male, female. Yeah, that, that I totally agree, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, we I could go into, we could talk, you know, probably spend hours on a workshop just talking about British colonization and the impact on India and laws. But today, when I, you know, on a positive note, where are some of the places where that you have gone? Is it just India or are you teaching and educating around the world? I think I've been around the world in many countries. Um, I've been to Germany, I've been to Austria, I've been to Switzerland, I've been to Netherlands and Canada and uh, Cambodia and the US. So, and Nepal as well. I've been to Berlin uh, to talk about my poetry and uh, my art. And I've been to the US, uh, Harvard University invited me in 2017 in, at the India conference. And I've been invited to Canada to speak uh, by the Ministry of uh, so, uh, by, by the Ministry of uh, External Affairs and Economic Reform to speak about human rights in the human rights, World Human Rights Conference and all that. So a lot of things, a lot of places besides wonderful. India. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. And so do you find any sort of difference uh, when you are with different audiences around when you tell them and you know are sensitizing them uh, around the topics through your foundation? Do you find any difference or is it kind of this universal human experience, at least from how they treat you, um, that people are tolerating and accepting transgender folks and understanding uh, you know, who you are and the journey of folks just like you? Are there any differences or is it kind of this human experience that people are having? I think it is a human experience. Wherever I went and talked, I felt love from people. Um, I felt warmth and love from people. And uh, I've never gone across even, not even one hatred messages. I've spoken in churches too, mm -hmm. you know, I've never been uh, confronted or given a hate message by anyone, never. Wonderful, good. I'm glad for that. As an as, a, as somebody who's trying to be an advocate, I'm like, good, this is what I wanna hear. So I wonder, you know, this is kind of pre-COVID and we're kind of coming out of it, but in the last, I would say two years, we kind of just gotta say 2020 is just is not <laughs> active, but prior to that, like in 2018, 2019, tell me about the foundation, you know, what were you doing? Is it just you? I want our listeners to know about your foundation and the work that you were doing, and then we can talk about the future. 2020 and 2021 are big dots. <laughs> big dots. <laughs> Especially 2021 was horrible dot. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. in 2018 and 2019, we were doing a lot of shows, a lot of workshops for the transgender community especially livelihood has been always a problem for the trans people uh, because majority of the school dropouts live together or sometimes live separately, lonely. And many of them are do begging and doing sex work. And uh, many of them are trying to be entrepreneurs as well. So uh, I always uh, try to provide them uh, support. One, one kind of a support is by 
providing them with, uh, you know, training in art and crafts through these free workshops that we offer for transgender community. I mean, from our foundation for the transgender community. And the other one is uh, uh, through Sahodari Foundation, we help the differently abled and the uh, senior transgender people who, who are unable to work or unable to move. We provide them with support for their medicine and basic amenities that we always do. And besides that, Sahodri Foundation works with the transgender community in a lot of other ways, in so many yeah. other ways, providing them with uh, opportunities, uh, connecting them with people, and uh, particularly mental health is something we focus on. So providing them counseling and uh, uh, guidance in their hard times, hard times is one thing that we always do. That is wow. with the trans community. But with yeah. the public, we a lot, lot, lot of work. Yeah, with the sensitivity. So, so it looks like there's kind of two parts with the wonderful foundation is one, providing support to the trans community and giving them opportunities, including in the arts, which is amazing. I love hearing that. And then you're doing education and out, outreach with the community around the world. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yes, a lot of education yeah. uh, on trans uh, and trans inclusiveness as well as LGBT inclusiveness. Um, Indian, in, many times I've seen people in India feel uncomfortable when we talk about gay rights, but they, they, they feel quite comfortable when we talk about trans rights. Uh, mm. So the taboo on gay rights is still prevalent in India. Of course, it will go eventually. Yeah, that's well, yes, that's the hope. I know I was watching some Bollywood movies um, and they are focused on lesbian and gay relationships and it was nice to see uh -huh. them. It was wonderful to see this content. You know, there's one, I'll translate it in English because my Hindi is so bad, but you know, I saw one girl and I felt this way um, and I saw that not too long ago and it's a lesbian love story and it was really sweet. And you know, it was set in India and and then they had, you know, she was trying to supposed to get married and then she comes out and they accept her. Luckily they accept her, her partner, but it was really, it was really sweet. And it, I was happy to see content like that coming out of India. That's amazing. Yeah. There's a lot of other movies also coming in vernacular languages because Bollywood all, is all about her Hindi movies. Yes. But actually in Tamil and in Malayalam and Telugu languages, we make amazing movies, better movies than Bollywood. Ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. And for folks, I was telling you earlier, the episode right before this is about Bollywood, but it's about Indian cinema. And, you know, we have yes. this idea that it's Hindi language. I love that you brought it up because there's so many dialects in India. And there is... Yes, of course. And Bollywood is not India. Bollywood is a part of India. Yes, there is Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, it's it. Hollywood, it. Bollywood, and Hollywood. And many of our movies are actually remade in Bollywood. You know, many of our technicians and directors and cameramen, they are wanted by Bollywood. Wonderful. Yeah. I love it. This is a great what fun fact Hollywood for me. Bollywood depends on Tollywood, Hollywood, and Mollywood. <laughs> so tell our audiences the difference between those three. Tollywood is okay. from <laughs> Bollywood. Uh, Bollywood is uh, Hindi language films, mm -hmm. usually uh, made in Maharashtra. Yeah, the state of Maharashtra. That's where it all originates, and uh, um, mostly in the north of India, Bollywood is. Um, but it's a stereotype that everyone believes India is only Bollywood. No, yes. India yes. is a lot. 
there are uh, there are at least uh, at least 10 to 15 language films made in india because bollywood is uh, well known it is india everybody thinks it's only bollywood but the other big industries other than bollywood are the telugu film industry the tamil film industry are also equally big the telugu film industry uh, especially we call it tollywood <laughs> i love it <laughs> technically technically and visually and intellectually our 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 bollywood especially our tollywood and kollywood is all very 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 rich especially telugu movie industry is called tollywood tamil movie industry is called kollywood because in, in chennai kodambakkam is where a lot of studios are there so we mm -hmm. call it kollywood and nice. malayalam is Hollywood. Malayalam language films are called Hollywood. Malayalam language films are awesome. Um, like Tamil uh, and Telugu movies. Malayalam movies are more heart-touching, realistic and all that. We, especially all these uh, nonsense in Bollywood, uh, running around trees and, you know, women <laughs> wearing skirts. Yeah, women wearing short skirts and dancing with hundred men. In all these all these superficial things that don't happen um, in, in Southern films. Of course it does happen, yeah. but there is minimum exploitation of women in uh, Mollywood and Hollywood and Bollywood, uh, I mean, Tollywood, yeah. Thank you for the education. Yeah. And did you yeah. say earlier that all these other industries outside of Bollywood also are more, are they more inclusive of storytelling of uh, transgender folks and gay and lesbian folks and every, everybody in of between? Of course, of course. Actually, I, I, I would definitely say that we taught them to be inclusive, you know, mm -hmm. our films from South, we taught them to be inclusive. Uh, they make films from us. They, they remake films from these original languages, uh, Tamil and Telugu movies. They make it in as Bollywood movies with pu putting up a lot of money and uh, glamour and all that. Uh, yeah. Unrealistic, but entertaining, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny you mentioned the trees because I kind of poked fun in, in my podcast. I said, you know, how Bollywood has evolved from the people running around trees, literally, and then they just go into song and dance. And and, and it's just like, how, yeah, do, we, yes. how do we get I love here? it. I love Bollywood. I'm a big Karan Johar fan. I've seen all <laughs> of, of his movies. Kal, you know, Kal Ho Na Ho is my favorite, of course. I love <laughs> Rani Mukherjee and Shah Rukh Khan roaming around the streets of London. Um, people all don't mind them singing and dancing. And I love that. I love it. It's superficial, but I love it. Uh, I get, that's the word, superficial. I can't connect. Like When they go into it, I just can't connect. I mean, I, I do love, like, I love the Doom movies. Those are a lot of fun. I actually really enjoy that series. Okay. <laughs> but the, but the like impromptu singing and dancing that really doesn't move the storyline. I, I have a hard time with that. But what I really appreciate okay. you saying is letting our listeners know that it's just not Bollywood. That within so within India, right? There's so much variety, and the art also has a lot of variety because of so many people, the different languages, the so many ethnicities that are what in what we call India today. I love it. Totally, yes. yes. Yeah. So mind you, when we all even talk about food, India is not about samosa or, you know, no. tantuuri. No. no. India no. is about idli, dosa, 
and um, there's a lot of other things still. Oh yes, I am addicted to dosas. I love dosas so much. <laughs> I didn't grow up with them, but I got introduced to them, and I'm like, oh gosh, I yeah. eat dosas every day. I love it. Okay. I love it. Oh, we'll have okay, to have dosas okay. when we connect. I'd love to go get some. Yeah, of course, the south food, southern food, people will love southern food. Yes, yeah. yes, 100%. And I grew up with North Indian food, so it's been an interesting yeah, journey yeah. for me to learn and eat more of the South Indian food, which is absolutely lovely. Yeah, I would, always, I would advise all the listeners of this podcast to try masala dosa. Please try a masala dosa. <laughs> yes, it's so good. It. Oh, with the different chutneys? Oh my gosh. Just make sure you have something cool so that you can yeah. offset the heat. So yes, yes. I totally love yes. it. I love it. I love it. So tell me a little bit more. I know you have this wonderful foundation, but I feel like, you know, because you also are a poet and you, you're a face, right? People know your face. Yes that it probably yes. helps you, this foundation. So I'm interested a little bit more. Let's talk a little bit about your art and because uh, you're, you're so, you do so much art. So I'm interested in learning more about that. Art and painting is something that came to me very, very naturally. Mm. I think as a child, as a teenager, I have gone through a lot of what to say bullying at school. And I went through a lot of internal struggles as well because of my gender uh, diaspora. When I didn't have friends in my teenage years, early teenage years when I didn't have friends and uh, I couldn't express it to my family as well. So pen and paper were only my friends. So I used to take it up and write whatever I want to. Uh, that is how it started. I used to, I used to visualize the future me talking to you so I basically drew about how I want to be and that is how my journey to be a painter started also so I would always write about poetically I would write about my agony and my pain and all that as little little poems I love languages I love English I was so good in English as well as in Tamil so it came very naturally to me I also wrote poetry at a very young age in Tamil language, of course. And later I picked up in English language as well. Uh, so poetry and art was something that I started doing as a child for healing myself, basically. As a healing therapy, uh, unknowingly I started doing it. But it helped me. It helped me heal myself but, and also it developed in me as a talent. Wow. Wow. I, I, you're just simply amazing. Uh, gosh, you're a poet, you're a painter, you're an actress. You know, what don't you do? <laughs> That's, you're just In fact, next month, my poetry book is going to be published. I've just titled as We Are Not the Others. That is the oh. title of the poetry book. Mm -hmm. And half of the poetry is direct translation from English, no, from Tamil to English. And half of the poetry is original English poem. Yeah. Wow. So, when when is that coming out? It's coming up next month. Yeah. Oh it's my gosh. Up. So yeah, mid 2021. Make sure folks you pick that up. That sounds amazing. I will be. 
Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. So what's sort of next? You know, we know now we know about the poetry book and I know India right now is really suffering in terms of COVID. Um, luckily you and your family yeah. are safe. So I'm very thank thankful for that. As you kind of, you know, think about um, getting out of COVID and you'll be vaccinated, what's the future for your foundation? Where, where are you thinking um, and what's, where are you headed? I think the future for, for our foundation is definitely a lot of work. I wanted to create an art village, a, a knowledge center for a transgender community in at least five to four to five acres of land where they can get educated, they can learn so much, so much of knowledge about arts and science and, you know, uh, human behavior and uh, they can learn about history and geography and climate change, and particularly they can learn about our own sciences, yoga, meditation, and all that. I want to uh, educate our young transgender community, give them the opportunity uh, and change their lives for better. This would be a knowledge center where especially the youth will be inducted and given the opportunity and transform them in two years as knowledgeable and awesome human beings and to send them as a confident, knowledgeable, compassionate human beings. Yeah, that is the, what is the future for our foundation. Wow, wow, absolutely amazing. That is so fantastic. And I applaud the work you're doing for our young people, uh, giving them, you know, yeah. unfortunately, uh, I would say for in, in the United States and Canada as well, I'll speak for those countries that I'm familiar with. This is what's needed for our trans young people and for, you know, folks that aren't young as well. It's needed for all trans folks to really support them so that they have many other avenues instead of just sex work. Yeah, totally. Yes. Yes. Wow. Absolutely amazing. So I ask this question to everybody, you know, if I, if you had to give one advice, one piece of advice on how we could be more inclusive in our lives, what would you say? I think we need to read a lot. We need to actually, before hating someone or judging someone or pointing at someone uh, that they are wrong and their life is wrong, and there is something or something wrong with them. I think first we have to point to ourselves. Are we educated enough? Are we sensitized enough? Are we informed enough to talk about someone uh, or to think about someone or judge someone the way that we are doing? Uh, before knowing a transgender person's life or bullying them, you should know why do they live like this? Why do they dress like this? Why do they actually uh, live as transgender, out and open as transgender person. Um, so that is very, very essential. So hatred comes because of ignorance and lack of knowledge. And uh, hatred can be replaced with love, but only when you open your heart to learn, to get that knowledge, that is the essential part of being a human, that we have always grown as a civilization because of openness to knowledge, openness to learning. And to everyone who listens, open your heart and receive knowledge uh, to break the stereotypes and ignorance and everything will be okay. Oh gosh, that was so beautiful. We can replace hatred with love. That's so absolutely wonderful, Kalki. So my friend, how can people get a hold of you? 
or how can they connect with you online? Okay, I'm on Instagram on my handle Queen Kalki. So I'm also on Facebook as facebook.com slash Kalki Art. You can see the background there. And yeah, here. for those that are on video, yes. So facebook.com for Kalki Art, uh, K-A-L-K-I-A-R-T, and then Instagram Queen Kalki. Beautiful, beautiful. And Facebook facebook.com slash Kalki Art. And don't miss to go to our foundation's website. Uh, it's sahodari.org, S-A-H-O-D-A-R-I.org. And right now we're running a campaign in uh, a crowdfunding website in India to support the transgender community because a lot of transgender people are uh, homeless, especially in this COVID, a lot of hundreds and thousands of people are uh, suffering for their livelihood. So I also take this as an opportunity to invite the listener to contribute in the crowdfunding campaign that we have organized. Go to uh, Instagram, uh, my Instagram handle, Queen Kalki, and in the bio, you can find the link to contribute. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for this opportunity. I look forward to contributing. Thank you so much, Galki, for this conversation and everything you're doing. You know, we could do, we could talk for hours uh, with everything that you're doing. So I really do appreciate you for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Ashwini. This is an awesome opportunity. And I know how good you are in your podcasting. I've heard a lot about you, all positive <laughs> and lovely things from Celia. So I'm happy and honored to be interviewed by you. Thank you oh, so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And you mentioned uh, yeah, our mutual friend, Celia, who was on earlier. So thank you, Kalki, so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.